Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at CompassEducationStrategies.com. Thanks so much to everyone who is listening to our show today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you for joining us. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please join our Facebook community by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking like. You can find us on Twitter at The Education Doc, and we're also on Foursquare where you can see our tips to prep schools, colleges, and graduate schools around the country. Tis the season, tis the season for secondary school admissions. We have a great show lined up for you today as we continue our conversation on the SSAT. I met with some parents just today to discuss secondary school admissions. They're considering both day and boarding schools for their son. And given the number of college preparatory independent schools around the country, their son has a lot of opportunities to select from varied schools that could be a great fit for him. I visit independent schools around the country each year, and in fact, this week, I'm visiting some wonderful boarding schools in western Connecticut, yay. In all of my campus visits, each school is different. However, the application process has a common denominator. All the schools require some form of standardized testing, and for many of those schools, it's the SSAT. Last week on the show, we had Amy Gruber, who's the Senior Director of Outreach for SSATB, join us to talk about the SSAT, what it is, and how to take it. We discovered some great tips and strategies, so I highly recommend that you listen to that podcast as well. Our show is only a half hour each week, and there was more that we didn't get a chance to to cover. So today's show is part two of the SSAT. Amy has returned this week to discuss how the schools use the SSAT, interview questions that every student should ask about how the SSAT scores are used as an admission criteria. Then finally, we're going to discuss how to interpret the SSAT score report. So if you've already received your report, I'm going to ask you to please gather that report so that we can go through it in real time and talk about how to interpret it. As we discussed in last week's show, the report to schools is different from the report to students and families. So you'll hear from Amy just how different and what it means for the student applicant. The first test that will be administered this year will be coming up on October 15th, which happens to be the same day as the PSAT. And the PSAT, as we mentioned last week, is offered by College Board, while the SSAT is offered by a totally separate organization. And interestingly, we found out in last week's show that ETS, who created the SAT, also developed the SSAT. 
So later in our show, we will talk about those similarities and what the SSAT score reports can tell you about the SAT. Our guest again this week is Amy Gruber, who is Senior Director of Outreach at SSATB. Before we start, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information. Our email address is radio at compasseducationstrategies.com if you'd like to submit a question at any time. Another method for you to ask a question or join the conversation is to call in directly to our switchboard, which is 714-333-3356. And our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California, and I am broadcasting live from Hartford, Connecticut. And Amy is joining us from Vancouver Island, British Columbia. And I just learned today that I'm visiting um, Vancouver Island for a conference in the spring, so I can't wait for that. So we'll take a quick break, and then Amy will join us. Be right back. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show again, and I am back now to talk with Amy Gruber of SSATB. Amy, are you on the line now? I am, and thank you very much for having me back this week. Oh, thank you, Amy. Thanks a lot for joining us again. In our conversation last week, as you know, we just didn't have a chance to cover all that we could have talked about with the SSAT, and so I am so excited that you were able to join us again to cover some of the topics that we didn't cover last week. Well, so thank you. So I'm ready to dive right in here. Okay. Um, Amy, before we get started, um, I mean, we covered a lot of information last week. One of the things I wanted to ask you about in terms of recap is how many students um, generally take the SSAT each year? We have about 65,000 students each year. Um, we have 708. 80 members uh, that mm-hmm. use the SSAT, and, and each year about 65,000 students worldwide who do take the test. Wow, that's a lot. Now, are they usually more concentrated in the 5 to ninth grade range for the lower school test, or are most of them on the upper school? How is that split? Uh, it would be more of a, a 60-40 split, more for uh, secondary school, but certainly our, our middle school testing is uh, a significant percentage of, of our group. Okay. Okay, good. Now, you say you have 780 member schools, and those yes. would be members who accept the SSAT as a requirement in admissions. So exactly. what does the test really tell the prospective schools about the students? academic ability? What does it all mean for them? Well, there are two reasons for a school to to use an admission test. The first is to identify candidates who just aren't suitable for the program because the worst thing you can do for a child is to set them up for for failure by enrolling them in a program that's just not a good fit. The Mm. second thing that an admission test does uh, and particularly for our schools that are, are very selective and have many more applicants than they can accommodate, is it helps them make some fine distinctions between and among their applicants. Hmm. Okay. Now, many of the schools also require an interview, and one of the things I convey to my students is that the school may be interviewing you, but you're also interviewing the school. 
and the interviews interview is one of the ways that you determine how good of a fit the school may be. And so with that said, students should always ask questions during an interview. I mean, when I've been on the other side of the table as an interviewer, nothing disappoints me more than when an interviewee has no questions at all. I mean, it's quite telling and not in a good way. So, Amy, you had mentioned this last week um, in our closing, or after the show, rather, uh, about questions that students um, should ask about the use of the SSAT. And I wanted to you know, ask if you could share what what things do students need to know about the SSAT when they are looking at a prospective school? Yeah, that, and that's a, a great point. I think, first of all, um, whenever you attach a number to something, it's, it becomes a somewhat intimidating measure uh, of your ability. Mm -hmm. People tend to judge themselves pretty harshly and whatever the number is, I think there's a feeling that I could have done better. And, yeah. you know, really encouraging people to get past that. And if you're sitting in an interview, be very open with the admission officer and and say, um, this is what I got on the SSAT. And, you know, can you tell me how important the SSAT scores are in your admission hmm. decision-making um, questions such as, um, you know, would this, would my SSAT score fall, you know, in the middle of your group, in the in the bottom top, you know, just to ask where the SSAT score falls in relation to other students who mm -hmm. apply to the school is a great question. And admission directors will also be very forthcoming in terms of how they use the SSAT. Obviously, it's only a part of the admission process because exactly they they wouldn't require the interview or the application forms or grades or teacher recommendations, um, you know, if they were only going to rely on a test score. And so, ascertaining how important mm -hmm. that test score is in terms mm -hmm. of their their decision making uh, is really good information to have. Okay, now. One thing, Amy, I don't know if I can even ask this question, and so if it's uncomfortable for you or you can't answer it directly, please do say so. But yesterday, um, not yesterday, but last week, you had mentioned about the schools that came together to um, decide on having a standardized test for admissions, mm -hmm. the admissions officers, and I think it was 10 schools that would in, were involved in that decision many years ago, at those schools, I mean, they're all still around, alive and thriving, is the SSAT more important or weighted more heavily there than it would be at some of the other schools, could you say? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, every every school and every admission committee, and this probably fluctuates slightly even on a yearly basis, depending on who the educators are that are that are part of the various admission committees. So every school will determine mm -hmm. the weight that they want to give an SSAT score and also taking into account extenuating circumstances. I mean, we know we have some students who come from, you know, very 
competitive urban areas where students routinely enroll in test prep courses. And mm. so, therefore, their familiarity with, with the test will be far greater than a student who may be coming, particularly an international student from a very remote part of the world mm-hmm. who perhaps hasn't even had an opportunity to take a multiple-choice exam before. Mm-hmm. So, so the importance of the test score um, is really always considered in the context of that applicant and what their background is as well. Okay, okay, that's good. That's very good to hear that it is used in a more holistic way than sometimes I think we may understand because, as you had mentioned earlier, it's that focus around what the number is and feeling like that number defines you and makes or breaks um, the decision. But when it's done in a more holistic uh, context, then that really places it um uh, in line with where it should be for that school's um, policy and what could be a good fit for that student, wouldn't you say? Exactly. And, and independent schools, unlike our colleagues in higher education who are dealing with, you know, a volume that is that is so significant that it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to compare, independent school admission officers have the luxury of really evaluating the whole student and interviewing and and really getting to know the child, you know, in a very detailed way that allows the test score to be a part of the process. It's still an important part of the process, Mm -hmm. but it is certainly a part of the process. Yep. Okay, great. So I want to take a quick break here and give our listeners a chance to gather their score report if they've already received it. And then after the break, we will speak with Amy further about how to interpret the score report. Our number, again, is 714-333-3356, or you can email a question to radio at compasseducationstrategies.com. Be right back. I am back now with my guest, Amy Gruber of SSATB. Prior to the break, we discussed how the schools use the reports and interviewing strategies. Amy, in the last half hour, in the last half of our show, not half hour, I want to discuss a question that I hear from parents a lot, and that is, what does this report mean? Compared to other score reports, I think that SSATB does a fine job of streamlining the report and keeping it to one page. What I'd like to do is talk about what students and parents will see in their report and what it means, how to interpret the SSAT score report. And I actually have a score report here in front of me. And, Amy, if we can just talk through the sections and just kind of deconstruct uh, this score report so that students and parents can understand better what it means and what it means relative to other students who've taken the SSAT. So terrific. can we um, just – what's that? I said terrific. Let's let's do it. <laughs> okay, great. So the first section of it talks about what the score is, and a question that I often hear is, what does that percentile mean? What is that relative to? And then you have the score, you have the personal score range, and if you could kind of describe what that is. So how would we define what 
students and parents are seeing in that box around the score, the, the SSAT okay. scores. We do provide quite a bit of narrative on the report, um, but people, and I am guilty of doing the same, always go right to the numbers. So uh -huh. we're starting right in the little box. Um, the first number that's actually presented uh, is your SSAT score for each section. And without knowing the score range, of course, these numbers um, make no sense to you. So mm -hmm. if your child is applying to for high school, they would take the upper level test. And the score mm -hmm. range for the upper level SSAT is 500 to 800. And the mean is 650. So much like the score range for the SAT is 200 to 800 with the mean of 500, this is similar but obviously just a much more compressed range. So again, 500 to 800 is the score range for the upper level SSAT, which is what students applying for high school will take. Mm -hmm. And the mean or the average score is 650. Okay. So if you're looking at the scaled score in that context, um, I think it's it's very helpful. The SSAT percentile mm -hmm. compares your child's scaled score with other students in the same grade and same gender who've taken the SSAT in the last three years. So the oh, in the last three years. So in the last three years. So the okay. SSAT is a norm reference test, and the norm group are these very capable students who are applying to college preparatory independent schools. So it's a very competitive group of students because these are all uh, students who've got aspirations to attend these terrific college preparatory independent schools. And so for many parents, um, the SSAT percentile might come as a quite a large surprise, but that doesn't mean that your child has all of a sudden slipped. If you've, you're used to seeing scores on a nationally normed test, for example, comparing your child's abilities with all students in the nation, you've got to remember that this is carving off a very talented group of students who've already self-selected that they're interested in attending an independent college preparatory school. Hmm. Now, you know, one of the other... Um indicators on your report is that estimated national percentile. So can we talk about that in terms of, you know, just how that is calculated, what is that compared to in terms of understanding how it would be if they were part of a national pool versus the pool of students that have taken the SSAT in the last three years? Yeah, and, and again, this was um, this was put into place on our score reports to just give parents some expanded context. So mm -hmm. once, you've, once you've perhaps had a little sticker shock to see how your child compares just with other SSAT test takers in the same mm -hmm. grade, same gender, you can then be reminded about where they fall with the national pool of students. And um, what we've done here is we've taken um, students who've taken the SSAT and done a very large study using scores that these same students have on nationally normed achievement tests. And so then from there, we can estimate, 
you know, what a national percentile rank would be for this same student. Um, and, and giving, again, the parents just a larger context mm-hmm. in, in which to evaluate their child's abilities. Schools do not use the estimated national percentile in their admission evaluations. They right. will use a scaled score, uh, and some will also use the nat- the SSAT percentile, but the, the national percentile is not something that is used by admission officers uh, in making their decisions. So that's really more for the student and the parent. E- exactly, yeah. kind of soften the blow. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually, Dr. Pamela, a, a good way to put it. So okay. exactly right. Okay. Um, the other thing you said, and maybe this is too detail-oriented, is you had mentioned that the national, the estimated national percentile is based on achievement test scores, but the SSAT is an aptitude test. Correct. And so, you know, this was a, a rather large study that's taking mm-hmm. students' SSAT scores and comparing them these same students using their scores from achievement tests. That's how we're able to uh, to get that figure because, of course, there isn't a national um, mm-hmm. aptitude test. So students would commonly take achievement tests through school, but not aptitude tests necessarily. Okay. Now, one of the things on within the score that we talked about a bit is that you provide for students and parents a personal score range? And how do you really define that? I mean, is it the questions that they missed, or how do you come up with that range? The on, range is it based is on the different sections of the test? No, not at all. The, uh, the range is there because uh, no test is absolutely 100% accurate. So hmm. if a student is taking the SSAT again, uh-huh. um, there is, depending on the level, lower level or upper level, an 85 to 95% chance that their score will fall within that range. Okay. So the, every, every test has what's called a standard error of measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the degree to which a student's score might change if they take the test again. And, and do so you for, go ahead? Uh, it, that would be 12 to 21 points again, going lower level to upper level for the SSAT. And so, if you've got a score, say, of 731, and this is for an upper level student, so again, it's 500 to 800, so 731. The standard error of measurement is 21 points. Okay. So the score the score range then would be 710 to 752. So you take the 731 and subtract 21 points mm-hmm. to get the 710, mm-hmm. and you take the 731 and add 21 points to get the 752. And so right. if a, the student was to take the SSAT again, mm-hmm. um, 85% of the time, their score should fall within that score range, the 710 to 752. So if you're looking at at scores for a student who's taken the test again, you know, small point differences are actually to be expected. Right, right. Now, Amy, of that 65,000 students that take it every year, do you know what percentage of those might be retakes? I mean, do students retake a lot? We hear it a lot with 
other mm-hmm. standardized tests like the SAT and ACT that students are retaking. And I'm not sure within the secondary school admissions if um, that's really done as frequently. We've actually seen a bit of a bump in that. I think mm-hmm. part of that is related to the fact that um, with all of the information available on the Internet, parents are becoming increasingly more educated about the process. And so 80% of the students take the SSAT once. We have about 20% who do take the test more than once, and within that a small percentage who might even take it three times. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> well, and, okay. you know, one of the things that that we encourage parents to remember is that it is an aptitude test. And so mm-hmm. unless you feel that your child didn't have proper preparation in terms of test-taking strategy, when to guess, when not to guess, they didn't move quickly through the test, or they just plain had a bad day, you know, mm-hmm. woke up not feeling terrific, uh, had a fight with their best friend the night before, whatever it was. Um, we all know that, that it's possible to underperform on any given day, but it's certainly not right. possible to overperform. So if you feel that for whatever reason your child just did not put his or her best effort into this, mm-hmm. then it might be useful to, to retake. But generally the scores are, are not going to change. You know, interestingly, you mentioned about that in terms of the test-taking strategies because we covered that a bit yesterday. And one of the things that you offer on the report is, you know, which questions were omitted and which ones were just outright wrong. And that might be a way to um, – use that report to determine whether or not you want to retake or your student should retake the test, would you say? Correct. And we don't actually list individual questions, but how it will be presented to parents. Um, for example, the verbal section consists mm-hmm. of um, synonyms and analogies. And you will see on the score report the number of synonyms answered correctly, the number answered incorrectly, and the number omitted and the same with analogies. So, for example, if your child hadn't previously um, had experience with analogies and you see that they got a significant number of those questions wrong, then some some preparation there might indeed be effective. Exactly. Uh, We're almost out of time, Amy. One last thing I want to ask you about just quickly is that predicted range of grade 12 SAT scores. If you can just mention that briefly in terms of how families can interpret that. Sure, and and important to note that these are studies conducted by SSATB um, and not not approved by the college board, but Mm -hmm. nevertheless, What we have done is, again, taken the SSAT scores of students uh, enrolled in our member schools and a very large-scale study using the SAT scores of these same students uh, in their grade 12 year Uh, Mm -hmm. and then used that to see how well the SSAT scores, because it's a very similar test, just geared for younger students, how well the SSAT score predicts the grade 12 SAT score, and many of our schools even have us do individual school studies for them, the SSAT, SAT prediction study, so that they can see specifically what that number is for their school, not just within the whole 
SSAT test taker population. So, Which is um, really powerful for college preparatory school to have that data. So, Amy, I don't want to cut you off, but this wraps up our show today with Amy Gruber of SSATB. Amy, your email, your not your web, not your email address, but your web address again quickly for our families because you have some great resources available there. We do. Thank you. Uh, SSAT.org is our website, and questions can go to info at SSAT.org. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Thank you. So we have some great shows coming up for you on the Education Doctor Radio, and we'll continue to bring you information that's both strategic and practical. Please listen up for how you can stay in touch with us. <laughs> 